I don't want to say too many words of introduction because I'll embarrass him a little bit during the announcements, but this is our last Sunday with uh, our summer intern, Fumi Ojitayo. We're going to totally miss him. Uh, and uh, we're going to... <laughs> There's the movie going on. That's not a good, that's not a good uh, way of preparing the way for the sermon. Uh, and so, um, so we thank you. Um, and uh, Heavenly Father, please ready our hearts for your word this morning. Yes. As it proceeds from the mouth of your servant, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Y'all have been with me now for the entire summer, so you know how I do. I need you to talk back to me. So I'm going to try it again. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. All right. On this last Sunday of my internship, I, I want to bless the Lord for Amen. each and every one of you. Hallelujah. And, um, the opportunity of a lifetime that this has been for me. The, the time spent with incarnation has been a reinvigoration to my soul. Mm -hmm. And the time here has been, you know, I've been stretched, I've been challenged, I've been encouraged, exhorted, uplifted, discipled, counseled, um, equipped anew for the work mm -hmm. of ministry. And I have been so encouraged by your love for one another um, which has really been a display of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the way you've received the word of God with gladness and readiness of heart has been an encouragement to me and I've been edified by it. But before I gash y'all up too much, I want you to know that my praise of you redounds to the glory of God. That's right. And so this morning, I want to bless the Lord. Here it is, our text this morning. I will bless the Lord sometimes. No, no. Come on, come on. And his praise shall be in my mouth every now and again. No, come on, man. Come on. I, I was just hoping y'all were following along with the reading. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The humble hear it, and they are glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Won't you exalt his name together? Let us pray. Almighty Lord, we thank you again for this Lord's Day, for the opportunity to gather at your feet. We ask, the Lord, that you will speak to us anew, and that there will be an outpouring of your anointing upon all men and women, boys and girls, O oh Lord. That Holy Spirit, you would divine for us even the deep secrets of God. And we ask, Lord, that I be removed from the equation, that you be exalted alone, that I will decrease and you will increase, and that your people will see you in your resplendent glory and the beauty of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we see in the, if the superscription of the text before us this morning in Psalm 34, we know the situational context under which the song was written. And it was written on the, hills, on the, on the heels of a mighty deliverance um, that Paul experienced by the grace of, oh, I said Paul, David, because Paul is my favorite, uh, David experienced um, at the hands of God. And we know that David was the anointed king, but his anointing came with some troubles, right? We remember that it was his psychotic, egotistical, insecure father-in-law that was after him, and he was 
bent on stamping David out like a flying cockroach in North Florida <laughs> in the middle of winter that hid in your house. Come on, come on. So we, know, we also know that David's friend, Jonathan, right, Saul's son, um, helped David out. He told David at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 21, bro, you got to go and you got to go fast because my daddy is crazy and he's coming after you, all right? So here David is, the champion of the armies of Israel, on the run. And then David goes to the oddest and strangest place that a Hebrew could run to at this point. Now, if any of y'all passed Sunday school at the age of six or seven, you got promoted, you'll know why this is odd, right? David goes to the camp of the Philistines because we remember David killed the champion of the Philistines, right? What was his name? Goliath. Goliath, right. Good job, y'all passed. And when he runs to the camp of the Philistines, he's actually carrying Samson's or Goliath's sword. They know who he is. And the counselors of the Philistine king, Achish, also known as Abimelech, they see David coming and they say, hey man, we gotta get this guy. We, th this is our chance. And David, suspecting that they were trying to do him in, he has a stroke of genius. Literally. David starts to act insane. <laughs> David starts to drool at the mouth. I mean, so much so that 1 Samuel 22 says that his spittle was coming down his beard, was dripping down his beard. He's talking to himself. This guy is scribbling on the doors of the gates, and he is, by all appearances, insane. And to the point where King Achish says to his fellows, y'all, is this the guy y'all want me to take out? Do we really have another need for another lunatic? I mean, look at my camp. It's full of madmen. And y'all afraid of this guy? This dude who's doodling on the wall and drooling all over himself. Man, get this dude away from me. He's no threat to us. And in that moment, in that moment, David is delivered from the hands of the Philistines. And David recognizes that this wasn't his own skill or cleverness that, that delivered him, that got him out of there. This was God that delivered him. Now, many Psalms that we read don't have superscriptions. This is one of the few where the scholars are able to tie the writing back to the events that occurred in 1 Samuel 21 and 22. In other words, David coming out of this series and sequence of events in his life pens the words of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. And David is saying to us that when God delivers you, when God rescues you, when God puts his blessing on your life, the only response you've got is to turn back to God and bless him back. Yeah. I will Bless the Lord. And I wonder, I wonder, is there anybody here today that can identify with David? You've had your back against the wall. The ceiling has been pressing down on you. Friends were few. You had nowhere to go. All you had were the remnants of old victories. You had a sword in your hand, but no bread to call your own. But before you could look up good, God delivered you one more time. Is there anybody here today that's your story too? Well, you know what you ought to do? You ought to help me preach my sermon. I... Well, bless the Lord. You ought to do what the text says. Somebody ought to bless Amen. the Lord. Amen. But you still want to know, and you ask your questions, as you've been asking all summer. 
Why? Why should I bless the Lord? Well, I got three points for you. I'm going to take my seat. Reason one. We ought to bless the Lord because when we do, we acknowledge his goodness. Listen to what David says from verse one. He makes a personal declaration. I, right? I will bless the Lord. This is a personal declaration of praise to God. Remember, remember that, that, that this psalm wasn't written in a rosy garden. This, this wasn't for plush food and creature comforts around. The text was written on the run. That's right. In other words, the circumstance of life is not what motivates our praise. It is the constancy and the consistency of the goodness of God that motivates our praise. Right. You choose to worship and to bless God, not because of your social location, but you choose to bless God because of God's theological position. Because of who he is and what he has done. It prompts us to open our mouths in praise. Now, this word bless in our first verse, verse 1 here, it's a conundrum for, for any careful reader of scripture. And the, you could almost say there's, there's a problem in the text here. Because the word strikes you as something that human beings necessarily are not in a position to do. Yeah. What do I say that? The, 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 this first word, this Hebrew word we find in Psalm 34 is the first name of our previous president, Barak. The, the word means to imbue with power. It means to, to give life to. It literally means for all good to come upon. It, it, and it's particularly used in the context of a, of a sovereign or superior giving power to an inferior. And, and it, it's the idea of a large and in charge king who decides to raise up a vassal. Somebody who, who is ignominious, who, who is low. And this is what people throughout human history have sought, right? We've all sought the blessing of the Lord. People ask for the blessing of the Lord. You ask for the blessing of the Lord. We come to church on Sunday to ask for the blessing of the Lord. So the question becomes, how is it that we give to God what we are asking from God? How is it that we can bless God when really he's the only one who's able to bless? What does an inferior have to offer to a superior? And here, follow me here, the duality of this idea that the Hebrew people understood. God blesses human beings by imparting good things to them. But human beings turn around and bless God by speaking well of him, by attributing good to him. Being blessed, therefore, is both a passive and a state of reality. In other words, you either get it or you are it. It's something you receive, but it is something that God is. Right? God blesses people by conferring good on them. But we bless God by praising the good in Him. God blesses you and I by putting good on us. We turn around and blessing and blessing by saying He is good. Y'all not feel me yet? Is there anybody here today that can look through the rear view mirror of life and you can see that God ain't been nothing but good to you. And God has been good. You ain't got enough money to pay God off. You ain't got enough degrees or education to make God more sophisticated and be impressed with you. The only thing that you got is coming out your mouth. And that is saying, God, I recognize that there is nothing I can offer you. But God, you are good. Yes. I will bless the Lord. Amen. 
And, and notice here how God is at the center of all of this blessing. You're not the center. Right? I remember in elementary school learning about Nicholas Copernicus, right? Y'all remember him? Yeah. The Renaissance mathematician. You know, the world was assumed to be geocentric. Uh, that, that is that the earth and its people were the center of the universe. That the sun will rise and fall on the earth. But, but Nicholas Copernicus discovered that we are not the center of the universe. He discovered that there was another heavenly body that was bigger than ours. That gave light and life and warmth to us. And it's called the sun. And Copernicus came up with this term that we all use today, heliocentrism, right? That the sun is the, at the center of gravitational pull and that it gives light and life to everything. And that we are not the center, but the sun is the center. You're not. I'm not just talking about the galaxy. This is about the church too. This is about your life, all right? Because you are not the center of attention. You are not the center of the world. But there is another sun, the S-O-N, who is at the center of everything. And all things revolve around him. So when you come to church, don't exalt the preacher. Don't exalt the pulpit or the pew. Let your boasting be in Christ alone. His crucifixion and resurrection. Oh, that Jesus will be the center of our worship. May this never be about me. May it never be about you. May it be all about God. And it's important, too, that we do this as a community. The psalmist says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Right? Something happens when we do this as a community. We acknowledge the greatness and the goodness of God when we come together. Now, you already know how to do this, right? I know you know how to do this. And you say, I don't know what you're talking about for me. But I know you know how to do this because college football season is around the corner. <laughs> and some of y'all are going to pack into Dope Campbell Stadium. And you're going to sing the songs. You're going to do the chants. And my Lord, should the Seminoles start to win again? <laughs> And you don't even know those boys. You don't know James Blackman, the QB. You don't know Cam Akers, the running back. You don't even know Willie Taggart. If you were in trouble today, right? Willie Taggart ain't coming out to bail you up. <laughs> but you will lose your mind watching these people run around the gridiron. Football ain't even going to be here in a thousand years. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will still be sitting on the throne. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We don't need a college football playoff championship. We come every Sunday to celebrate the champion. If you ain't seen the trophy, we got a replica right here. The Bible says that he was hung up, high and wide on the cross. That he was laid in a bar too. But on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. Praise his holy name. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, quickly now, reason number two we bless the Lord is that in so doing, we recommend God's trustworthiness to those who don't know him. Yeah. Verse eight, oh, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. The psalmist is saying, don't take my word for it. Taste for yourself and see that the Lord is good. God has never been tasted and found insufficient. Those who taste come to see that God takes care of his own. He takes care of those who fear him. So the psalmist says, the young lions, they lack. That, that's a metaphor for the rich and famous. The young lions, they lack, right? They suffer and they want for hunger. But those who seek the Lord will never lack any good thing. Look at this. You can enjoy the blessing of God on your life when you try him. And there's something about your praise that when the afflicted watch your praise and the downtrodden see your enthusiastic blessing of God, they are encouraged. It's almost like in church you're a walking billboard, huh? And I wonder, I wonder if people are attracted to God or repelled from him based upon how you look in church. The psalmist says, taste. And see that the Lord is good. I came across an article the other day. It was an oral history of mankind's centuries-old battle with male pattern baldness. <laughs> yes, I read really weird things. <laughs> but we remember that the, the modern advent of, uh, of this fight, the company that today sells Rogan, it all started with a guy named Cy Sperling. He's moved on from the walls of fame now, but... Back in the 80s and early 90s, he had these commercials on TV. I don't know if any of y'all remember him. Yeah. Right? He would talk about how young men were, were balding everywhere, you know, like LeBron. And, 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 and the hair was leaving them early. They ain't got no hair plugs. And he said, you've been trying everything. Right? You don't know how to get your hair back. But we've discovered something here at the hair club for men. We, we, we've discovered something that will give you your full hair back, thick and plush. And just in case you don't believe me, at the end of every commercial, Cy Sperling will pull up an old picture where he had nothing on the top of his head. And he would say, remember, I'm not just the hair club president, but I'm also a client. Oh, help me, Lord. This is what he was saying. Taste and see. Look at what I used to look like. Look at how I did not have. I'm not just promoting this company to make money. I'm telling you, I tried it for myself. And it works. Are y'all listening to me? Is there anybody in this church who, like Sir Sperling, can say it for yourself? Look at the way I used to look. Look at the way I used to live. My life. But now look at me. I've tried God. And God has changed my life. Listen, I'm not only the preacher, but I am a client too. The Lord done brought me up. He turned me around. And he placed my feet on solid ground. When I didn't have no job, he paid my bills. When he had no health care, I called on the great physician and he healed me. When all the doors of opportunity were closing in on me, the Lord made a way out of nowhere. I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord, he is good. So we recommend, we recommend God's trustworthiness. But reason number three, we, we bless him also because in so doing, we showcase God's deliverance. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, his ears toward the cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed and spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. 
Listen, friends, this is the cry of our passage. Trouble is inescapable, okay? But it's not undefeated. Trouble cannot be taken away, but it cannot rule over your life. And not just even one kind of trouble here, right? The psalmist says many are the afflictions. Trouble has multiple zip codes. Trouble has different uniforms. Trouble doesn't wear the same hair each time it comes by. Many, many are the troubles of the righteous. Just because you're righteous don't mean trouble ain't going to come your way. There are a multiplicity of troubles in this world. But just because troubles come and shows up doesn't mean that God has left you. And this is the good news of this text. Are y'all ready? Y'all yes. ready? And you, you got to go back with me to, to, the, to the 80s and early 90s. Any 80s babies in the house? Yeah. All right. Y'all remember Schoolhouse Rock? Yes. yes. And one of my favorite jams from Schoolhouse Rock was about the parts of speech, right? You know, they were, they were teaching us the parts of speech, what a noun is, what a verb is, what a preposition is. And then they had the nerve to teach us early on what a conjunction is. What's your function? Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Now, now remember, some conjunctions summarize and add on to. But other conjunctions contrast. They, they take what happened in the first part of the sentence and they say life and over at the comma. You already know you're coming for a grammar lesson. But the, because the conjunction, right, on the other part reverses what happened in the front end of the sentence. I need y'all to help me preach. Yeah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Comma, don't stop, just pause. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? But, oh, oh, oh. and it all depends on what comes on the other side of the but. But the Lord, hallelujah, but the Lord, oh my, 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 but the Lord delivers them from the all. Now, I could understand if it said, but Harriet Tubman. She delivered some folk, you know, from slavery into, into freedom. I could understand if it say, but Dr. Martin Luther King, he articulated the dream of equality and dignity for many. I could understand even if it say, but Barack Obama, he embodied the audacity of hope for a generation. Mm. But these were born and they died. Mm. This says, but the Lord, mm. but the Lord. And the Lord in the original language is Yahweh, which means is. It doesn't mean was. It doesn't mean it will be. It means is. In other words, God always is. Yeah. It is the perpetual yeah. isness of God. Yeah. That means when you get to tomorrow, God is already there. When you get to next year, God is already there. Yeah. And any trouble you have in the middle of the storm, God is already there. God is there but the Lord. And when the Lord shows up, he doesn't show up to negotiate with trouble. He doesn't show up to engage in the art of the deal with trouble. He doesn't show up and say, trouble, hey, you do what you got to do. No, the Bible says he'll let trouble stay, but he'll take you out of it. The Lord delivers you from them all. Y'all not feeling me. Y'all not feeling me. I'm about to take my seat. But how do I know this happens? How do, how do I know this happens? He will deliver you from them all because he won't allow any of his bones to be broken. You missed it. Missed it. But I got I to gotta beeline to Calvary, like Spurgeon used to say. Yeah. This is a direct reference to that hill. 
far away where Jesus was mounted. You know, when the crucified men on the cross, they will come around and they would break their bones, right? So to shortcut their suffering, they could end their suffering. But when they came to Jesus, they discovered, right, that he was already there. And so they put a spear in his side and blood and water flow out, right? Because the prophecy had been said they would not break any of his bones. Now, isn't it interesting that the context of the song, where the prophecy was made about God, it, the context is about God getting us out of trouble. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that the language of Jesus, having all of his bones intact, was about how God delivers the righteous out of trouble. This is what I'm trying to say to y'all. This was no mistake. This wasn't a slip of the pen of the psalmist. It was God speaking back then to, the, to what is yet to happen. That on the cross, Jesus was delivering you from trouble. Jesus was taking you out of the trouble that was going to take you down. Bless his holy name. Amen. Now, I need some help finishing my sermon, but, but, but I don't need help from everybody, okay? Some of y'all can sit right there. I just need help from y'all who are sinners. Is there anybody here that's ever sinned before? Right? I mean, you've done this some stuff. Now, now I want to say it like I feel it, but I can't because I'm still in the pulpit, so I'm going to say you did some stuff that you had no business doing in your life. And if anybody found out what you did, they'd be ashamed of you. But can I give you some good news this morning? God has delivered you out of that too. Hallelujah. The sin cannot hold you down anymore. So let's do it, church. I will bless the Lord. Come on, church. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Stand on your feet, church. Bless the Lord. Give praise to him this morning. Clap your hands. If anybody has a word of testimony about the blessing of the Lord, please give it now to the whole church. My daughter had congenital heart failure and the Lord miraculously healed her. Yes. Bless you, Lord. God sent me to Incarnation Church. God delivered me from alcoholism and drug abuse. Amen. Give us healthy babies. Amen. Oh, Amen. Oh, Bless you. God delivered me from my sin mm. and raised me up from the murder clay mm. to sit me in heavenly places. Amen. Bless you. When I was newly married and only had $80 in my bank account, the Lord gave me a job. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Jesus miraculously paid off my whole college debt in one day. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
was stuck in addiction and helpless and he delivered me. Amen. I was depressed and knew the point of death, and the Lord gave me joy. Yes. Amen. Bless you. Do you help my dad get to England, even though his visa was expired? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lord saved my sister from death. When my soul was dead, he gave me life. Healed my mother from cancer twice. He saved me in Scott's relationship, redeemed it, turned it around, and made it a blessing. Bless you.